fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. <laughs> and you caught me in the middle of a sip of whiskey. Perfect. That's great. So, <laughs> off to a great start. Off to a great start. I love it. So, uh, well, anyways, tonight we are talking about kind of like area control, dudes on a map, war games. We're going to kind of get yeah. into what the definition of those are because I don't know about like you but during my research i found that those are very different to different people yeah and i've just kind of lumped them all together before so (laughs) that'll be kind of fun to talk about but before we get into all of that let's talk about what we're drinking so dalton what's on your flight tonight what's on my flight so i'm i'm drinking basil hayden's which i when i actually when i poured this i had a moment where i was like i I think i've had that on the podcast before and then i checked through my notes and i don't think i have um, but if I have and I'm, I'm wrong, I, I do apologize. Um, you're just going to hear it twice. How um, but it's a pretty dare good, you. I know. How dare I? Um, but it's a pretty good whiskey. So um, Basil Hayden's comes from, from the Beam family distillery. It is aged eight years, so relatively long um, for a bourbon. It has uh, – it's, it's really good. I really like it. Um, I don't really like its price point but it's because its price point is a little bit high because of that eight years of – which is, I mean, that's pretty long for a bourbon, right? And so it's like maybe just a smidge higher than I would like. But anytime like I see it, I really enjoy drinking it. It has like um, this really interesting thing where it has like a almost like a dark fruit sort of like smell like in, in the nose. And then you like taste it and it like tastes very bourbony. And then this sort of like um, they have a very high rye mash. So it's not a rye whiskey, but it's it's like second grain is, is it has a lot of rye in it. And so it starts to like kind of develop. And then it like the aftertaste is spicy like a rye would be except for that like you don't it doesn't taste like a rye when you first sip it when you first sip it it tastes like a bourbon and then sort of like melds into a rye and then it like finishes that way um so it has like a pretty cool aftertaste and it doesn't like stick around very long it just like kind of like has this moment where it like sort of evolves and tastes like a rye and then it goes away that's interesting what what is the price point on a bottle like that it's like uh it's usually around like 40 45 something like that it's a very distinctive bottle it's a really pretty bottle um it It is a really pretty bottle yeah it's got like this sort of like bronze or like faux gold like it looks very fancy it does look very fancy it does a good <laughs> job at doing that yeah and it has like this you know it has like its story or whatever on the front um but then if you know you're like oh this is actually a jim beam brand <laughs> that they bought something <laughs> you know bought someone else's thing and then they kept kept distributing it so it's pretty good uh i like it i like it a lot awesome yep what about you so I am repping another Athens, Georgia beer from one of our podcast listeners, Amram. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he had us over and or had me over, and we don't he donated some beer so that I could drink. But this one is the fav- my favorite beer from the weekend. It's actually one of my favorite beers I've ever had. Like oh it, wow, it's, yeah, it, it's really good. It's called uh, Good Job Amram. Yeah, Good Job Amram. It's called Tropicalia, um, and that's from Creatures Comfort Brewing. Okay, it's. It's very smooth. It's very fruity, which I typically don't enjoy, but it's just like, it just feels, I feel happy when I drink it. I, I don't know how else <laughs> to explain it, but it's just, um, it's like a 6.6 APV. So it's not okay. like heavy and it's only about a 65 IBU. So it's like on the lower end of the IPA. Okay. Um, it is an IPA. Yeah. Okay. But so, uh, Tropicalia is actually a Brazilian artistic movement that started, um, like in the sixties. And it's best known today for like its music, which like kind of merged Brazilian and African rhymes with rock and roll, which I thought was kind of wow. cool. There's yeah. So like, awesome. I haven't listened to it, but I probably will because that sounded cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the coolest thing about this beer is it's actually, you've seen it before and pretty much almost anyone who's listening 
has seen it before too because this is the beer that thor is drinking in avengers endgame no that's so dope (laughs) (laughs) yeah so like when when fat thor shows up yeah like you know he's sitting there he's holding a beer and he's drinking when you know the rest of the avengers come to recruit him to take on the fight this is actually the beer that he is holding and drinking at the time so dope so that's right because it's a is it is it in athens or is it like an atlanta it's a georgia beer it's in uh i think it's athens okay Um, okay yeah, it is Athens. So I think the director or someone, Amber, told me the story. But like someone from like per, per, someone important in the show like came in and liked it so much that they're like, "Hey, like we're gonna put this in there." <laughs> so yeah, so like when he told me that, I was like, "Oh yeah, well that one's gonna be on the podcast." So. Yeah, that's a great story. I love it. <laughs> so that that's kind of what that's what I'm drinking, and I'm really enjoying it. I only have one more left after this one, so oh, that's sad. It's very sad. Yeah, but you have to go visit him again. I will have to go. <laughs> there you go. Hey, it's great to see you. Can we go pick up some? I need the Tropicalia. Do you have any yeah. of that? Yeah. <laughs> but so I actually only have two because we'll see. We're getting better at these segues. But like yeah. when I explain the segues, it doesn't really work as well. I know. Yeah. So, you shoot yourself, yourself in the foot. Eventually uh, we'll grow out of that. We'll, we'll grow out of it. But yeah, don't worry. anyways, the reason I only have two left is because we had uh, we had like our own Gen Con weekend um last weekend and so this is kind of like you know we're going to talk about you know what we've been playing and we have been playing a lot we've played a ton of games over the last week (laughs) so we had um a couple people over kind of like family and close friends come over uh we you know i actually hid the last two of these beers because i wanted to make (laughs) sure that i had some for the podcast there was a lot of alcohol being poured over the course there there was there was a lot of a lot of you had to hide something if you wanted it (laughs) exactly but uh yeah so let's uh let's transition into that so for sure like that i mean i've been playing a lot of games but like kind of over the last weekend which like i took vacation for i took wednesday thursday friday off (laughs) i spent wednesday cleaning for everyone that got there on thursday yeah did i tell you that my boss asked he was like oh yeah what are you gonna do and then i had to like explain him like oh i'm gonna drive to my friend's house and play a bunch of board games for four days (laughs) i love it i don't that's the best way to use pto i think i i I can't think of a better way to use that he was like okay (laughs) i could tell he was a little off but but it's like hey it's my time off so i do what i want oh that's awesome yeah but yeah, we, we had a good amount of people over. I mean, I think almost, I would probably say 18 hours out of the day, we had at least a game going. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it was impressive. We had three different tables set up. And then like some of the people that came, they play a lot of Super Smash Brothers Melee. And so, you know, they had that set up upstairs. Right. But you want to talk about it a little bit? Like, what, yeah, what did you enjoy about the weekend? What, yeah. what games? So you're right. It worked It worked really well because we had, like, a really good spread of people who enjoyed, like, different types of games, right? And so they kind of brought, like, their favorite games. We had this, the whole, you know, your normal board game, like, office room, which has a ton of games, and it just became, like, overwhelmed <laughs> with all of these, like, crazy. it was crazy amount of games. But that was, I think, what I what I really enjoyed because it was that, that feeling of, like, hey, like, I brought this game I really like. Does anyone want to try it with me? And we'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, that's not, like, a game I would normally try, right? But, like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, I really liked this. Like I totally, you know, in like the person explaining, it's like super enthusiastic about it because like they have all these memories from it, and they're like really. It was like one of the, you know, ten games that made their cut to bring to the to bring to the con or whatever. I played a lot of like older games, which was really cool because yeah. I feel like I'm like like we're always kind of like about like the, the new thing, right? The flashy thing, yeah. the thing has come out in like the last two years or something like that. 
Um, so getting to play like El Grande sort of like, and we'll talk about that game a little bit more later is like one of the fathers of, of like area control type games. Like that was really cool to be able to like play an experience, um, played Shogun, which is like not super old. I think it's, <laughs> but it's like, cause it's like 2006 or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think like it's 2006. That. Yeah. So it's like not that old, but it's like a lot older than like games that I typically play. Right. You know, like older games that I play are like Dominion and Pandemic. Right. Like, yeah. And so they're kind of like, it's kind of like just outside of the, like maybe the very early part of the Renaissance kind of thing. So I uh, I'm gonna run through the games. I, I jotted the games down that I could remember. Mm-hmm. So, oh, here we go. And we so are played... these just the ones that you played, or like no, the no, ones th- that this were is played? this is all of them that were played that I recognized at least. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we played Dominion. Mm-hmm. We played, which is a deck builder. I don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. heard of it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we played Dominion. We played Nemesis. I, I honest to God, totally forgot we played Dominion. That was the first game we. played. That was the first game we played. Yeah. yeah, kicked it off. Game one, Dominion, nice eased in yep yeah we actually got stomped on by your wife it was a really good way to just kind of like preface the rest of the weekend (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah she tends to win um (laughs) but yeah so we played dominion we played nemesis we played el grande did you know that nemesis is a real game and that i wasn't lying to you it turns out i'm pretty sure that you were actually just you made that game, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick, the guy, you know, my friend who brought the game, yeah, he was totally in on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's impressive. It's the long con, and I, I have con. to I have to appreciate that. Yeah, ton of fun with that game. <laughs> we played uh, El Grande. Mm-hmm. We played Connect Four. We played, <laughs> <laughs> we played Connect Four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> made the cut. My brother, my brother was saying that he was looking at all of his games, and he's like, they have all of these games. Mm. But I don't think they have Connect Four. Don't have Connect Four. And so he brought Connect Four and he brought yeah. a chess set. So <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we played a ton of like three minute chess. Yeah. It was like the thing that was always going on. Someone was playing like speed chess in the background. Yeah, that that is one of the more stressful times in my life. Yep. Is chess. And then when you put a time limit on it, I just I'm not I'm not <laughs> effective in that. I think I, I like I was doing good in a game and then I started running out of time and I think I was like up probably five, six points and then I lost. Like it was yep. bad. I was <laughs> like, uh, and it's like I took your queen. I was like, oh no, that's not good. <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, we played Connect Four. We played Brass Birmingham. Yep. We played Modern Art. Oh, I love that game. Yeah, that was I didn't actually sit in on that one. Did you? Were you playing? Yeah, I was playing it. We had a ton. We had a great group for it. You know, everyone's like really talking up their art. Like, yeah, you know, like Ramon or whatever is like his up and coming artist. If you don't know, Modern Art's a game where you, maybe we've talked about it before on the podcast. I can't remember. But it's a game where you, you, you like buy and sell art. And it's like a very open like bidding type of thing. So you're trying to convince people that things are like worth more. And then there's like a sell phase where it kind of becomes apparent what they're actually worth. I, I absolutely love that game. It, it's a yeah. fantastic it's also another old game. It, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an older. I think it's nineties. Yeah, it's Kinesia, which like right. if you're ever it was in recently doubt, like reprinted or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simon acquired the rights to it, and then they actually okay. just put out a card game, which I haven't like dived into, but it's a modern art card game. So, who knows? But yeah, yeah so uh, it's it's like a very simple economic bidding game. Yeah, uh, and it's. But we like we were laughing, you know. Yeah. We, we like everyone like had a drink and they're shouting and pointing at each other, and you know people are standing up from the table during bidding wars <laughs> and stuff. So we just like really got into it, made it a ton of fun. Yeah, while you guys were doing that, we were doing brass, and we're just like sitting here pulling our hair out, like yeah. what is happening? <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> but yeah, so and then we uh, on Friday morning, kicking it off at yeah, nine. Yeah, so just so you know, that was day one. Yeah, that was day one. So at Friday Friday morning. Uh, ooh, that was, Friday morning, we, we scheduled something for 9 a.m. We actually had something scheduled for 9 a.m. every day, which mm. 
was oh. nice yeah. because it like got us awake, but it was also like, I don't want to play right now. Yeah, I'm... so it always actually started at like 10.30. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but it was nice that everyone like agreed, like we're going to get up and start like participating in the day. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we started off day two with uh, Terraforming Mars. I have yep. chess here. Yep. Then we played Shogun, which Shogun I think we'll talk really about good. a little bit more yeah. later in the podcast because yeah. that's got the area control dudes on a map type thing. Yep. We played Game of Thrones, the board game. Yep. And I royally screwed up Targaryen. It was awesome. Uh, R.I.P. Dragons. <laughs> rip. <laughs> rip in power. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then uh, while that was going on, some people were playing Stockpile. And then oh, yeah. after the night kind of devolved, we uh, we all, or not all of us, but I think we had like an 11-player game of Pitch Car. Yep. Uh, yep. Which, oh, and what was the um, what was the meta game that we played? Oh, yeah. So we, we got a game called You Got Got. Yeah, where it's a game that's played out over maybe an event. So I think we passed everything out on Friday. Yeah, and basically you get five. We gave out everyone six different uh-huh. like objectives to like do, and you're you're playing this game in the background of the event. And then if you get someone, you yell "You got got," and you're able to flip over one of your objectives. And the person it says first to three. We just did try and right. get all of them. Try and get all. So of them, like yeah. the the oh yeah, these were fun. What, what were some of them? What, what were some of them that you had? One of mine was like, um, have someone like ask to put on your glasses or something like that. Or no, the other way, it was like, like convince somebody to let you try their glasses or something like that. One of them uh, was like, get someone to acknowledge like a fart noise. Or, I mean, like some of them were like kind of kind of wonky. Um, but that was the idea, you know, get someone to uh, try a sip of your drink. Get so, You know, just like trying to get people to like Fantastic do... thing for a pandemic. Right. <laughs> that one didn't translate well. Um, but like that was kind of the idea of it. And so it just kind of put people in these positions to like do something that were some things that were like socially acceptable, but maybe slightly odd. And then, yeah. And then try and like, yeah, get somebody to do it. It was fun. I, I had one that was like, wear your shoes on the wrong feet and then have someone comment on it, which didn't really work because I'd never put on shoes that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I don't want to go outside. I'm not going to put on shoes. So, but yeah, no, that, that one was a lot of fun. That, that was, was a good I, one. That worked out well. I didn't, I, I only got like one because I like kept forgetting about it. Yeah. I kept forgetting about it yeah, too. So, but I know, I know some people got really into it. Yeah. Some people sure. got really into it. For sure. Uh, we played... The crew a lot, no, but a lot of the crew happened. I actually, it's, I never sat down for a game of the crew. Really, I sat down at like two or three different sessions. It was just one of those that could like sit on the table, and if like one person knew how to play, it's like, here, I'll explain this, and then you could just pick it up with whoever was there and play it. Yeah, worked out really well for that. Yeah, and we played at nine a.m. the third day. We played Dune. Yeah, you always the scheduled final. the easy games in yeah, the morning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a warm up. You warmed up to the. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But so yeah, no Dune. We'll talk about a little bit more, but for sure, another Dune, one we'll probably talk about. Yeah, it's an er, er, it's a dudes on a map type game. That that one was probably one of my that was my favorite new game of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I really mm-hmm. enjoy Dune. I mm-hmm. I really really I, I like that one. And that's one that we've had or well you've had for a year or so. I actually yeah. pre ordered it at 2019 gen con for right you. yeah yeah coming up on a year yeah and so and we just have never gotten it to the table no. and so no the downside of it we, we've talked about is like it requires like five or six people and, and so it's just you really, really hard to get six yeah having played it we know we know now like you really probably need six if there's any level of inexperience at least if everyone's experienced i'm sure you could probably get by with five yeah you know you could you could get over the hump that um that the game kind of imposes on you so we had kingdom builder played have you ever played kingdom builder no i mean i saw it played but I yeah I've, never... I've actually never played it either but i heard it was, i hear it's really good it's yeah i hear it's not more on the simple side but it's like it's kind of interesting and it's kind of like one of those if you have 45 minutes it's a great game to just break out and go for yeah 
So he that was the uh, same guy who did Dominion. So cool, um, cool, cool, cool. Then we played uh, Axis and Allies. Well, actually, it was a two-player game of Axis and Allies because that was like late on day three. Yeah, I think it lasted like one turn. <laughs> yeah, because I think the the. Uh, US the side. Axis oh, yeah. tried to take London. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So the Axis tried to take London. They failed. And then they turned right around and tried to take Moscow and failed. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm dead. Like I'm dead. So. <laughs> we Sometimes tried. that's how the game goes. You play the gambit. Yeah. We uh, we got Flamme Rouge. To, I think I said that right. I always joke about it. It's and the say, bike game. <laughs> yeah, it's the bike game. I always joke about it and call it Flame Rogue. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. But then like as I'm reading it off, I'm like, oh, oh no, that's Flame Rogue. I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Flamme Rouge. Flamme Rouge. I, I wasn't did you play that one no okay no no no. i think we were i think we were locked up in scythe when yeah Orange was played so that, that was the next one it's the seven player game of scythe yep big board scythe that yep. was fun yep we got d- rolled on then we <laughs> played <laughs> we played great western trail yep. um so we played that i saw eldorado uh, road to eldorado got played at that's one not point. even on my list yeah, yeah so that, i forgot that made that. it on the table there was also like the side games of like uh the, i played a game of warhammer 40k there was a bunch of HeroScape that happened in the background. Yep. My like brother and cousins are really big into HeroScape, which is that game that you saw all those crazy commercials for when you were, you know, yeah, fifteen years ago or whatever. Right. They still play that, but they 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 always go to Gen Con and they participate in all the tournaments, but all those were online this year. And yeah. so yeah. my cousin was streaming and they were commentating the games that they weren't playing. So it's they were having stuff. a blast with that. And then we had Food Chain Magnate. We played that on Sunday. Okay. Uh, right before everyone kind of headed out. Uh, we played just through the first uh, like round of that. The first mm-hmm. like we broke the bank once mm-hmm. uh, because then it was like, oh, it's three o'clock. We need to go. Yeah, um, and I counted it up. I played a little bit over twenty-seven hours of games from Thursday to Sunday. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm exhausted. So I bet. I bet. <laughs> so one thing that helped us um, organize that weekend, we set up. Uh, we've set up a Discord now for Fantasy and some flights, and so we used that discord to kind of organize the Gen Con weekend. And so I kind of wanted to just, I wanted to plug that now because we've opened up that discord for anyone and for you guys to use any, any of the listeners to use. You can find that link on our website, fantasy and If you haven't used discord before, it's a really, really good platform for communicating kind of like as a community, it lets you set up us as like the organizers set up uh, different like chat rooms to talk about like different uh, topics you just you, you go on you download it. it's a very simple app to download and then there's uh, there's voice channel set up which we won't use too much of we'll primarily use the text um, channels although there are some like free like lobbies of voice uh, voice lobbies to use if you're like playing a board game online with some friends or something like that um, but it's a really good place for us to kind of host discussions on it lets us break out like okay let's talk about like what came out in like the books episode this week what came out in like the board games episode this week if there's like a specific it lets us break out sections for like here are like spoilers and if you want to talk about spoilers for ender's game or any of the other book series which we have like spoiled over the course of uh of the book episodes and talking about it like gives us a place to to do that and um and really like the thing i think i'm most excited about for it is it just gives us a way to like directly communicate uh, with you guys as the listeners and have you communicate like straight back to us right because as soon as you send a message in any of the discord channels it pops up as a notification for me um so then i like can sit there and respond we we've been doing it with kind of the people that showed up at gen con and you know kind of talking and it's a slick app like mm-hmm. it really mm-hmm. works like i know discord is pretty big and a lot of people have heard of it right. but i never had so right like i i had heard of it but i had never like used it i think i used it like once to play mm-hmm. an online game with you or something but like i never like use right. it but it's like it's really intuitive kind of once you get in there and start working but it, but it is it's a lot of fun i actually just put up a uh a channel where like people can post trades and stuff so like, yeah, we'll do yeah, that yeah. you know it's just, because it is like this 
like we're enjoying this. We like talking, but we want to talk with you guys, right? So this is just like, you know, we're doing that on Instagram. We're not doing that on Twitter because I don't know how Twitter works. But like, <laughs> you know, but like this is another way that, you know, talk with you guys. So like definitely join that. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's again, it's like, I think the thing I like the most about it is how like low the barrier to entry is for someone who's like totally new. You basically just download it, make an account, and then you like click on the link. Um, it'll drop you in. And then you're just like clicking on the different tabs almost and those are the different like chat rooms i remember i used it like right when pokemon go came out and that, oh, no. that became oh, big, yeah. really big I remember it was, that now. yeah because it was we like got a lot Articuno. that's right yeah we got the Articuno because <laughs> you were here for like the weekend that like legendaries were released yeah and, and there was like a there was like a discord for like my town and so like i was a part of that and they were organizing like a bunch like here go here and, and all this stuff and so it was that's a really... great utilization of discord yeah yeah it works like, that really like, is, super yeah. well okay cool but yeah so hop on and join that because that will be fun for sure. You want to jump into icebreakers? Yeah, let's do an icebreaker. So, in quotes, last episode's icebreaker. So, two episodes ago. That was because, a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that. It's like, we haven't done like a normal episode in a while. Yeah, because, it's been a little while. You know, we had that little hiatus. And then last week, we were able to interview Charles, which was a great episode. Right. Hopefully, you guys have listened to that. If not, go listen to it because... I had a lot of fun with that episode. Yeah, absolutely. Check that episode out. It was really cool. But the episode that we posted two times or two episodes ago when, during the engine builder episode was kind of Andre posed or sent us the icebreaker and it was like, what was the most unique or what was the coolest board? So I wanted to share some of the answers that we got that I kind of enjoyed. Dark Side of the Dice, Benice of Italy, and Evo Mores all said scythe. So they agreed with you. Yeah. On the scythe board. Sweet. You guys are, you had the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just like we played with the seven player game of scythe, we played the giant, like big map. Yep. Like the, and so that was fun. And then like my cousin brought the realistic resources, which was kind of cool. Yeah. My but immersion. He actually left those. So nice. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, our next couple games of scythe, we'll be using those. Ask Olav86 said nemesis which i i yep. thought that was a cool board like because you had the you got the modular tiles and then also that that was one of the more interesting boards for me because i sat down and i looked at the board i was like i don't know what's happening on this board mm. but like once it got explained i know i know exactly what's happening on this board yeah they did a really nice job and it's very it's like not overly symbolic so it's not like overwhelming in that way it has really cool art yeah, it, yeah. it's a good board amram.mark16 said sagrada and dice forge which have you do you remember dice forge's board it like folds out and like the yeah. sides of the box are part of the art yeah the components on dice forge are really high really yeah. highly ranked with all yeah. the stuff like that has all the, everything's organized it has to be put back a certain way and everything yeah that's definitely a good answer for that that's one of those that i'm trying to find on in a trade somewhere i keep right i keep trying to find that one because i played it once and i, I really enjoyed it but i i, I kind of want to i want to get into that one again yeah benice of italy said twilight imperium 4 so I figured you would like that one. I do like that one. <laughs> <laughs> also get Which is like, it is a really cool board because the, at least the way we play, we like set out the tiles. Right. We like right. draft we, the tiles. Yeah, you like, draft the tiles and then, yeah. And which I think is really out. cool. And you like build the board. So build it's like board, a unique yeah. board every single time. Indiana Meeple said Stone Age. Um, oh, I haven't played Stone Age. I know that's like a really famous game that I should have played. I've never played Stone Age. I, oh, okay, I think we're good. the we're only podcast scrubs. ever that's never played Stone Age. <laughs> but but it, part of it's because, like we said, we typically play newer games, and that's kind of like a. I don't. Mean, I think it's like early two thousands or like maybe late knots or something like that. Yeah, it's it's one of the first worker placements, or yeah. it, it's it's a very early worker placement. I don't know if it's yep. one of the first, but it's it's one of those. But also Indiana Meeple, so they're in the same state that we are. So if you're listening. 
once this whole like pandemic rolls back, let's play some games. Yeah, specifically Stone Age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you have Stone Age, let's play Stone Age. Yeah, so, so we can stop being a scrub podcast. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought that was interesting. I was, was like, really oh, cool. cool. I, yeah. Uh, M underscore Sirocco said Scrabble. <laughs> Nailed it. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, Tucker J. Nelson said Mousetrap, which I thought was the best answer. <laughs> wow. He's like, totally right. It really is. It's the greatest board of all time. I have no idea how to play the game. I don't know if anybody knows how to play the game. No, it's just Rube Goldberg in a, in a box. <laughs> in a board, yeah. It's full of childhood imagination and wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did, do you Have you ever actually played Mousetrap? No, I've never played like the actual... I mean, I've played with Mousetrap pieces. I've <laughs> 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 never played Mousetrap, no. So, okay, so we're... Uh, my wife texted me the icebreaker for this weeks so Sweet. i'm gonna open that let's see what it is yep so the icebreaker is from tucker what makes a good set of instructions what are your games with the best instructions and or games with the worst well i definitely remember the games with the worst instructions. <laughs> yeah exactly let's stick with you yeah oh man we've said spirit island is the worst yeah it's definitely up there in the worst it's definitely up there in the worst and i i've been i learned great western trail and i think that one contends with spirit island that that one was rough i i've actually played the first two games completely wrong yeah, so uh, which is frustrating play great western so, trail yeah what do you think what makes a good set of rules yeah so a good set like the main there, there's two functions of a set of rules right the first is that it's going to it's going to teach you how to play the game and then the second is that it for me that it needs to be searchable and i think that the searchable thing is where like a lot of rule books fall apart specifically spirit island i i haven't played or looked at the rule book for great western trail but i know that like like twilight imperium has a really good rule book and it actually prints like maybe several rule books um but like one of them is like sort of like a like it has just a really searchable glossary right where it's like okay like here is like the game and then here's like the page where you can find this another game that i think has a really good rule book is uh is a through the ages because yeah. through the ages is hard to learn how to play <laughs> yeah it's not like an. I mean, it is a complicated game. It's not like the most complex game out there, but just like it's close. But it's close. It's really high complexity, and just like the way everything fits together together doesn't make sense. And the rulebook even like recognizes like this is like tricky. Like this doesn't make a lot of sense. So like try it a couple times, and then like it will. Um, but like the way that like they structure it with like kind of like leading you through your first game. You know, like it's almost it's like a separate rule book, I think, like for the first game. And it's like here's how you play the first game. And it like walks you through it, and then it's like okay, like here's the actual rule book. You know. Um, and that's almost, I think, the way it needs to be. It's like, if you tried to learn football by, like, reading a book that has all the rules in it, it would be incredibly difficult to learn how to play football, right? Because, like, that just doesn't make sense. But if, like, someone tells you the rules, then it makes a ton of sense. I, I do a lot of videos, but that does... For that, sure, a lot of videos. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I like what you said, walking it through the first game. So the first one that came to my mind was Mage Knight, which did the same thing. So it has a rule book. Right. It's and more Vlada, right? It's, it's yeah, the same it's Vlada. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like, just like code names. It. Code names has two rule books because it's <laughs> such a complex game. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, but Mage Knight, like it walks you through the first game. Right. The, o- the other ones that I think are really good are ones that have like an appendix or a glossary. So like I'm mm-hmm. thinking of like Wingspan. It mm. uh, first off, it's just printed on beautiful. Like I just love the feel of the Wingspan rulebook. It's yeah. just like I mean, it's Stonemeyer. Like it, they kill it with co- the components, right? So it just feels good in your hands. But also, like it has the rulebook. But then Wingspan is a deck of unique cards, and sometimes those have questions on them and yeah. everything. So they have an appendix rulebook, okay, where you can look up in a card effect. So there's like the game effect rulebook and then the card effect rulebook. And I think oh, that, that one sense. works really well. That does make sense. I mean, Wingspan, all the cards are pretty self-explanatory, but every single one of them is explained in more detail if you need it. Yeah. So I, awesome. I think that's really good. It does. It does get really important with games like that that terms are consistent. Like that's if something yes. is called something, it needs to be called that on like on every card, right? Dominion does a really good job of that. 
Yep. Where, like yep. everything is like called the same thing every time. And so like when you're wondering, it's, it's specifically important when you have games that have a lot of different like cards or something that has like lots of different effects where you're like, okay, like what does this mean when it's played alongside this other card? You know, that needs to be immediately obvious to the player. That That is a very good point. I was playing a game this weekend that I, I don't remember what it was, but they they switched up they switched up the uh, terms in the rule book, which made it very confusing. Oh, that happened um, that happened in Nemesis because yes. there was, but that yeah. was a translation difficulty. Yeah. Right, because yep. it was translated from another. And so it was like, well, okay, what is a turn and what is a round? That yep. became like really confusing for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. So something that I've actually doing recently is that I've been uh, going through Board Game Geek and... A lot of people have uploaded files for a lot of games that are like player aids or something like that, okay. where you can just like print out a sheet of basically like you always get the player aids in the in the box, but sometimes they're not super helpful. Yeah. yeah. But like people will um, make their own, which are very, very, very helpful typically, for sure. especially for like the, you know, the top 200 games, like people upload and they put those up there. And so if you have a rule book that isn't fantastic or almost like any of the higher complexity games, I'm just printing out those player aids, I'm laminating them and throwing them in the box. That's and a really so, good idea. Like it, it's kind of cheating with the question because it's not like a good rule book. It's not that it comes in the game, but it is like, like I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. Just like do that. Like yeah. go out there, download some of those. Like I know Brass Birmingham has a really good one. Okay. And then Zulkin. Uh, I printed out a really good one that works for that. Yeah. And uh so th- those are those are just really really good and really supplement the rule book. It, it, you're not going to learn the rule from them, but it's going to be a really easy to like. Oh, I know something's weird about this. Let me look it up. And so yeah. it's right there to just kind of. Oh, okay, that's how that works. Okay, cool. Yeah, and just like go right back into the game because like a lot of the times when you're playing a game and you like have to search through the rule book for three minutes, it kind of breaks that immersion a little bit. Yeah, and it's like yeah. so, so. Kind of cheating, but also a recommendation. Go out and download this player. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely easier than you think it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Talking about games with rules or hefty rules, I think that's what this night's topic kind of lends itself to. Yeah, probably. So, like, probably. War, yeah, so like, what? I've always called them war games, which I don't think is the correct term. I yeah, think, like I don't think that like war games is a is war is war games a category on board game. I Geek? think war games is like a category. It's like dudes on the map, and there's like very tactical or very strategic. Like Warhammer, I think is a war game. Oh, okay. Like it's or like HeroScape is a war. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. making a fool of myself right now. I think, but like I think kind of what people call them are area control or dudes on a map yeah. type games. Right. And I think that's kind of like the board game version of that. But anyways, yeah, it's a complex strategy or it's a complex area of games i mm-hmm. think like yeah I, and that's what that's really what we wanted to like focus the topic on here tonight so our topic like nelson said like area control and and, and sort of like dudes on a map and, and then i think when we say like war games i hope that it imparts the feeling of like 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 risk being the basic one yep. right where it's like i am directly against you and that's that's something that we haven't really talked a lot about because we've done a lot of like engine building we've done deck building but like a lot of the categories that we've kind of t- covered have had low player interaction and war games are specifically the opposite of that, right <laughs> it is yes. only player interaction if there is no player interaction you lose yeah exactly they're like many of them have the opportunity for player elimination right so yep. like or at least where maybe if not eliminated um, someone might get like far enough behind in the game to where like it's actually not fun for them anymore right so there can be some real dangers involved in in this kind of category of game yeah so i i had i kind of defined it as like a game where there are defined areas where if you own more of them you're typically doing better or winning the game 
So like the classic one that I kind of had was Risk, right? right like what right, you're saying. Absolutely. Risk is you're playing out over, you know, a giant map of the world. I've played Risk a handful of times. I think you want to. Oh, really? I have like I have an app. So yeah, and that's where I've played it. So okay. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Risk is you're going for total player elimination. Oh, okay, that sounds fun. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly why it's a bad game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very important game for like what it did. Right, right. It created these concepts, and it's like, oh, okay, this is like, but like the actual implementation of it like is really bad. Yeah, I had Risk, and I also threw like A and A in there, Axis and Allies. Yeah, which yeah. is like. I th- it's in your top five games. Yeah, I love that game. But it's like a lot I, more than it probably deserves. Yeah, <laughs> but I really enjoy it. <laughs> I think of that as kind of like the advanced risk. Yeah, yeah. That you never finish a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Risk with a purpose. It's also <laughs> you know kind of going for like player elimination and access and allies, but really, and this is kind of like a, a thing also that I th- I think it's just an inherent problem to war games is it, it has the runaway leader that mechanic that we sort of talked about like in engine building a little bit. Yeah, where it's like okay if I'm if the point of the game is to control area, let's say area on the map, and controlling area gives me some sort of bonus or benefit, if that is not victory points, if if controlling area is giving me something other than victory points, like in risk, it's directly affecting your production, right? Same thing in access and allies, it's directly affecting your production. And so now it's like, well, now I can put more dudes on the board than the guys who are behind. And so, and that wins me more territory. And now I can put more dudes on the board. That wins me even more territory. And so you're sitting there as like the guys who are losing this game and you're like, well, how do I come back from this, right? There's there's not really a way for me to kind of get involved and influence the outcome of the game anymore because, like, I'm just behind, you know? So unless I get really lucky and, like, win some really key fights, I'm just kind of screwed out of this game now. I feel like that in all dudes on a map games that I play. Really? Like, I sit down, I'm like, oh, I think I'm out of this game. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't necessarily think I'm the best at these games. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I enjoy them. So, like, uh, let's, let's hop into kind of, like, what we like about the games. Sure. And the first thing that I have is, like, I always... I. My experience rating for these games are always really high. Yeah. Typically really high. All the good ones, like Twilight Imperium, Dune, like all of these, like I always enjoy playing them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is a testament because I rarely win. Like my win, per- <laughs> my, my win percentage for like these dudes on a map game are significantly lower than like mm. a cooperative game. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. No, but like, but I always have a lot of fun. Yeah. So... Like yeah. that, that is kind of like, I, I don't know why I just, I enjoy playing them. My wife hates them, so I don't get to play them that often. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, they typically but, have like a very high social aspect, right? Where there's a lot of politics and that's sort of, sometimes I think that that can be a strength. Um, we, we had always talked about in game of Thrones, which is a, is a, a version of like a, like a war game or a dude's on a map game, right? Where they, and there's a lot of politics going on in, in game of Thrones. And we had always played with the house rule that you can freely trade power tokens because there needed to be a way to sort of like wheel and deal with the other players on the map right there had to be a way to sort of bribe people and then fantasy flight took that mechanic and put it into their latest expansion they did so yeah, they, they listened to us they because did. yeah so we're visionaries we, we are the greatest right twilight imperium has that we, we just played dune for the first time we've talked about that a lot already um for, over the weekend and that has a ton of that going on ton of politics going on and so it I, I think that's what makes them inherently fun is that it's the opposite of the like multiplayer solitaire right where there is a bunch of people interacting you have to in, in, in addition to winning the tactics game you're having to win the politics game you're having to play the victim when you need to play the victim so that people stop like beating up on you right you need to like have like an obvious deal with one guy and an underhanded deal with another guy going on yeah that's a really good point there's almost like another game going on outside of the predefined rules of the game for sure like you know there's a lot of interaction like engine building you can kind of like 
take a step back and like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is my engine. Don't mess with my engine. Whereas Mm -hmm. in a a dudes on a map game, area control, you cannot do that, right? Like if you do that, you're probably not going to win because a lot of the games, at least that we like to play requires that negotiation in order to win. Yeah. I I definitely like that, that aspect of it. Yeah. I, I always hear about like, about these types of games that people say like, Oh, like you don't want to be the the strongest player. You want to be the second strongest player. Right. And it's, because they're saying like, oh, if you're the strongest player, take Game of Thrones. If you're the strongest player and you're the closest to winning, all the other players are going to beat up on you. Right. Right. And they're going to knock you down. And, and it's sort of like the kingmaker. And a lot of people don't like that where it's like, okay, now the person who's in second wins only because somebody else knocked the person out of first place for them. And I would say that that, that is fixed in a game that has good politics. Right. If you are as the strongest player can make deals and uh, and kind of wield your power in a way to to influence who can attack you and who's attacking somebody else you can you know you can pit people against each other so that that doesn't happen to you right or if you're like the dude in second place maybe that does happen but it's also something that you like kind of constructed right maybe you said like hey we're all going to attack the, the the strong player let's all like rally together but then you make sure that everybody else actually does the attacking right so that you come out in a position where you can now win the game the other thing that i really like about war games or dudes on a map I, I we need to standardize on something area control games yeah. is the kind of the same thing that i like in almost any of my games like cooperative or engine building and that's like asymmetrical player powers oh, and yeah. i think that that does like um like risk there's not really other than i don't even there there aren't right there there are no asymmetrical player no. powers no 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 right axis and I allies it had been like invented yet yeah axis and allies kind of because you have different bit. starting and you start yeah. different but like i'm talking about like like game of thrones like you have especially in the new expansion like targaryen has a completely different win condition they they need to go collect these influence tokens around the board because like if you for those that don't know the lore targaryen is like quote unquote the rightful heir of the throne mm-hmm. they've been banished and now they're coming back and they have like these epic dragons yep return of the illest yeah and everybody in game of thrones the board game has their set of cards which are like their heroes which all have different abilities yeah that when you go to battle twilight imperium like kind of focuses around that yeah so every faction plays a different game yeah 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 and And i think that works like specific dudes on a map like dom games dome games (laughs) if you just like abbreviate it dome Dome, dome, <laughs> dome games, man. Um, but anyways, in your dudes games, there's like, um, if you do that in an engine builder, it's a very delicate balance, yes. right? Because like it can so easily on that exponential growth curve that we talked about in like the in the engine building game, you can so easily set somebody like too far ahead on that and kind of unbalance the game, and it's not really fun for everybody because there's not a way for the other players to stop that from happening, right? But these games, um, these dudes games, where they have kind of like a politics built in there's like the player board right there's all the people around the board who are going to say like no like you're the way that you win is specifically like not by me winning and like that sounds really dumb but it's not a race most of these games are not a race it's like the way that you win is you have to force me to lose and so that's not a good proposition for me but it's also not a good proposition for these other guys next to me right so it's sort of like you can you can definitely unbalance a a game a dude's game with like really strong asymmetrical player powers but it's sort of inherently like self-balances so long as they're like kind of close right yeah they just have to be close and there are some games out there where some factions are significantly stronger and or weaker than other factions and that can be a balancing mechanism for newer players as well for sure yeah and so i and in like a tournament sense, sometimes you can draft them or you can like, yep. you can affect the starting positions with like money or starting units or something like that. There's a lot of ways to kind of fix those imbalances with like really simple mechanics. Yeah, absolutely. And then the the one that 
like we played this weekend that you know kind of took it to the next level was dune yeah so like dune like twilight imperium everyone's playing a different game with their faction right like you know you may be better at ground combat you may be the trade federation dune just like takes it and just like everyone has a game-breaking ability yeah right instead of paying the bank to deploy troops you're paying a player to deploy troops Mm -hmm. or this player can enter the board at a different spot and gets free regeneration it's like right like, yeah, there, there's one faction that says that at the start of the game, they predict a faction and a turn they will win on. And if that faction wins on that turn, they win instead. Like, that's yeah. their whole player power. Yeah. And they, sp- they can spend the whole game if they want to trying to force that faction to win on that turn so that they win instead. And it's like, we, we described it as like cosmic encounters, but like on a dudes on a map type of game, right? Yeah. And, and it really it really feels like that. It's actually basically... The way it works out too, which I really like, it works out as like a politics game masquerading as like a dudes on a map game. Yeah, I, I just really enjoyed how Dune kind of like played with the asymmetrical player powers in a sense that mm-hmm. if you're playing with this character, the game is different for everybody. Absolutely. Then yeah. the fact you're that they're not... in the game. Exactly. Yeah, good point. What about things that you kind of dislike about war games? Is there any like uh, mechanics or anything that you kind of like put you off of war games? Yeah, for sure. The, I mean, the main thing would be like the player elimination, right? I mean, th- I think that's the the inherent, like the worst part about it is that like sometimes in, I mean, that's what Risk is all about. That's what Game of Thrones can like kind of feel like it's getting there. It's not strictly about player elimination, but you're definitely putting people in a position where they can't win anymore. And and that's not fun, like for, for people. Oftentimes there's, there, there are times where like an experienced player can look at the board and say like, it's technically possible that I win, but it's such a small percentage that it's not worth playing out, right? And so that, and that's just really unfortunate. It's a, it's a little bit inherent to the style. There are games that are good to get everyone around it, right? Um, I think um, we've, we've talked a lot about Dune, but I think Dune has enough sort of like wildness that it gets around it fairly well. Another one that gets around it um, very well, I think, would be Small World. Um, yeah. Yeah, Small World, because it all, all your victory points are sort of hidden. And again, your area that you are controlling is not linked to your production of units. It's just linked to your victory points. And so you, someone can feel like they're really ahead at the front, um, and then get beat up on the rest of the game in like later rounds and lose a bunch of territory and score very low in like the last several rounds of the game and other players can come back. And so it kind of, you you feel that sort of turnover happen um, that makes it feel that it is still a strategy game. Someone can just dominate the whole game and do well, um, but you're never fully safe. And a player is never fully out of the game either. Especially with Small World, because you can, you know, straight up just choose another race. Yeah. And fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and just go, you know, re-enter in the map and play yeah. a different game. So small small world's a great one so uh the things that i kind of had is that i think it's really hard to get mechanics clean in a area control dudes on a map game yeah because like there's so many nuanced rules on fighting and things it's just you know the teach of one of these games is going to be hefty there's like a lot of these like interactions that you know aren't necessarily intuitive and so a lot of these games can suffer from 20 page rule book explaining if this happens and this is also happening in this round yeah. and it gets like it gets messy, very tedious. Yeah. And so I, I think that is one of the things that I kind of struggle with. But on the flip side of that, the, the silver lining to that is that a lot of these games, you're pretty much sticking with just a handful. Like with engine builders, I will play a lot of engine builders, but like there's only a couple dudes on a map games that I'm going to play a lot sure, of sure and so you kind of learn the rules yeah you they're... probably also only need to own a couple yeah, yeah yeah and then the other thing that i had that i kind of like is a downside to them is that they're typically harder to get to the table at least in our group because yeah they they're the higher player counts like a lot of them require mm. five to eight people to yeah. play well yeah and that's just not a 
easy player count, at least for our group, to be able to table. For sure. And for sure. And then they're also, also typically longer, like going along with that. They just right, and, like, and that's so that you have like these big battles and fluctuations in power, and that's like fun, and, and it feels like really good to be that like strong to feel those like strong like ebbs and flows of of the battle. But it it just takes a long time. Yeah, to get six people to sign up for four hours is a lot bigger yeah, of an big ask. ask for sure. So. So those are kind of the the downsides that I had in the games. But again, like they're always a great experience. I was like, it always feels like an epic quest almost. It's like, yeah. oh cool, I'm gonna go conquer Westeros. Like let's do this. Yeah. And it's like you know sitting down. It's, it's yeah. yeah. And it, and I think there's like there's something more satisfying to me about like that in in, in these games that I beat this person right. Like yeah. something about an engine builder. Or, or something like it. We keep comparing it to an engine builder, but I think that's because it's the other end of like the spectrum, right? Of like single player solitaire or multiplayer solitaire versus like these like highly involved player interaction games. But like in these games, it feels like, okay, I didn't just like look at the same set of like data and come up with a better solution than you, which is like kind of what engine builders can feel like. They can feel very like analytical. It's like, no, I beat you. Like we looked each other in the eye and I walked away from the table. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm the one that lived. <laughs> Kind of yeah thing. exactly there's, there's some, there, like a lot of like satisfaction in yeah that. there's a little bit of playing the player for with, sure with, with war games yeah for sure i keep calling them war games you want to hop into recommendations yeah let's do it let's it's do the it. best way to describe these games yeah like what's the good ones yeah i feel like we're talking in such ambiguous terms right now but let's just, let's get you know straight down so yeah, for sure so it, i i'm so d- war games are definitely like my territory in terms of like the games that i play more of and the play the games that i enjoy probably more of so since we do the the snake draft i'm going to offer you the choice do you do you want to go first in the in the low complexity which i believe if i'm working this out right also means you will go first in the high complexity or do you want yeah to go? i'll do that okay. I, I'll, I'll take the first draft pick okay you got the first draft <laughs> pick go for it what's up i want to put a disclaimer on this that's saying like the the lower complexity games or the medium complexity games are typically going to be higher barrier to entry. They're going to be heavier games than what my typical low recommendation would be. Just because I think this is just a heavier set. It's a more complex yeah. set of games. Yeah. Disclaimer there that maybe like the low complexity for these dudes on a map game may be a medium complexity in another segment. Mm-hmm. Your disclaimer has been noted. Disclaimer has been noted. So for my low one, it's a new game to me, new game to us, and it's a. Uh, but it's a fairly it's a 2006 release. We talked about it earlier. It's Shogun. Yeah. And so <laughs> so Shogun is hilarious. Like I had so much fun with Shogun because like it's actually like one of the I guess one of the other downsides to war games is like I feel very very competitive with war games and it like mm. kind of frustrates me to the sense of like oh I need to win this Shogun. Yeah. I like threw that out the window. I was like this is just hilarious. Like I'm yeah. just having a blast playing this. So Shogun is Japan Yes, it's Japan. Yeah, so it's it's in Japan. It's uh, feudal Japan. Right. Yeah, sort of like the samurai era. Samurai area, and you, Japan is broken up into all of these different segments and regions, and and it's an or is it dudes on a map? I, I would consider area control being I have more Q or I have more units than you in this area, therefore I own it. Right. Whereas but we like, can coexist. We can coexist, area. and uh, dudes on the map. If I if I'm in it, no one else can be in it. So this is a dudes on a map type game, and all your pieces are rec- are like uh, represented by cubes, mm-hmm. and you're it's kind of like a programming game as well. So like what I mean by that is you have all of these territories, and at the beginning of the round you place cards, you place your territories on what action that territory is going to take, mm-hmm. and you cannot change that until the next round, and then the 
actions are randomized throughout that round. And so you flip up. It's like, okay, you're going to text for rice this turn. And then whatever action you're texting, whatever region you're texting for rice, you flip that up and you resolve the action. But the coolest thing about Shogun is that the combat mechanism, a lot of these are, you know, rolling dice or, you know, I have more units than you, therefore I win. This one, (laughs) it's hilarious. Uh, You take all the cubes that are in the battle and you throw them down this dice tower, but the dice tower is designed to catch cubes as they fall down yeah and so whatever comes out of the dice tower is the results of the battle <laughs> <laughs> and so like i have five black cubes and you have four blue cubes so typically i would win uh, because you know i'm i have more cubes than you mm-hmm. however you take it up you shove it into the dice tower and if you know three blue cubes come out and two black cubes come out you win that battle there's each take two casualties and then the remainder blue cube goes back onto the map the greatest part about this game is that in future battles, you can knock your old cubes loose. <laughs> so, like, towards, like, the end of the game, you're just like, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just going to drop these cubes in. And it's like, oh, that's more than I put in. That's more, like, significantly <laughs> more than I put in. But it's such a good mechanic because it's, like, it's, like, inherently fair, right? If you've ever played, like, like Risk, to take as an example, or Access Analysis, games where you're rolling dice, like, sometimes you just lose battles to, like, crappy dice rolls and it's like super frustrating because you're like i totally should have won that right but like i didn't you know that's the way the dice rolled and like that's fine but like you never get like good karma for that like yeah you know, kind of like that yeah, bad yeah. luck that you had um but in this game you do because like if you lose a battle like sometimes we i would lose a battle and i'd be like actually i'm okay with that like yeah <laughs> like, I put they're in, coming like, back six. yeah like put in six three of them came came only three of them came out means three are still in the tower this was a relatively unimportant fight to me yeah (laughs) so like the fact that they're going to show up later in some important fight is awesome right and like we we sat around you know at the end of that game and it's like i have at least 20 cubes in that tower like every (laughs) everyone said that and you shake it out everyone has like three right Mm -hmm. like like you with typical battles taking place between like three and eight on somewhere in there on a side so like the fact that there's only like three to maybe five six in the tower is a fairly low number compared to how many you have on the board. And I don't know about you, but I like lost track of how many cubes I had in the tower. Yeah. So sure. I'm just like, I think I have like 25 in there. Like yeah, I've been a losing lot. a lot of it's battles. A big tower. And then like, like you had three. I was like, ah, yeah. Ooh, I miscounted that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, yeah, I think we played once, and then they this this last week on this last weekend, and then they they turned around and they played it again. Um, yeah, later. which I think it's actually one of the only games that made it to the table in like two different segments. Besides, like you know, the mind I think made it to the table. Or the a crew, times. Or the something, crew yeah, yeah. yeah, something like that. Like a major game, I think it's the only one that made it to the table twice. It's also one of the shorter area control games. Or yeah. I'm sorry, the shorter do that on a map game that. It, that I've played yeah right yeah, like yeah. it took an hour and a half yeah right yeah, it, was, it wasn't it was, super long it was super simple to explain the rules it right. was just like, i really like programming games in general yeah. so just that fact that it had the mechanic at all yeah yep so my uh my mech rating for that i had mechanics at a 7.5 i had an experience at a 7 and yep. components at a 6.5 for an overall of a 7.2 yeah so <laughs> it's just like i don't know i if you have a chance it's a really fun game yeah absolutely it, it's one of those games that you will not regret playing yep. don't go into it like expecting to be the best player and winning because like right. it is just like it's chaotic it's crazy it's fun yeah what about you what's your low complexity game uh so my low complexity uh recommendation um is chess it's like it's a it what it's a it's, war game kind of it's, it's about it's all about player elimination. only one unit can occupy one square at yep. a time so i guess 
I would not call that low complexity, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not low complexity. No, not chess. Um, my, my recommendation would be El Grande. Um, so El Grande I played for the first time uh, over this last weekend, and I, I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed it. it like, I, I think, I, like I said earlier in the podcast, sort of like one of the grandfather games of area control. Um, this is a game where you can occupy the same uh, territory and space, so a little bit away from like the war aspect, more on the area control aspect. But there's a really cool mechanism where you're sort of uh, making a decision between being able to play more dudes or have better abilities on the turn, if that makes sense. So you're kind of having to like balance those two um, decisions. And the way that you do that is by sort of bidding how many dudes you're going to put on the board. And if you put less dudes on the board, you have an opportunity against the other players to like choose first in choosing between a set a pool of available actions. And so you're also kind of like playing the other players because you're trying to figure out like, okay, what is everybody else going to bet? Can I bet a lower number so I can still get that action card, um, but still get enough dudes on the board to like have a good turn kind of thing or a good round. And so it just, it worked really like cleanly. It has a good way of kind of controlling like where the fight is happening. Um, So like choosing which territories are legal for players to like put dudes into and letting players kind of like influence that in a certain way. And so it's, it's a pretty, and it's pretty easy to pick up i think there, there's really just a handful of rules it's like here's how your dudes work here's how the scoring works here's where you can place dudes and when and how the actions work um, and then the majority of the game complexity is located in like this deck of action cards that the players are like choosing from on giving rounds and so you can kind of just explain them as they come up you know and they're and they're they do a pretty good job with like okay here's how this interaction is going to kind of play out um, just by like the text on the card um, so i think it makes a really good kind of introduction to I am directly playing against players because I'm trying to like take over territory that they already own, but I'm not being like eliminated from the game. I can still in any given turn, like put more dudes on the map because it's not linked. Again, the area I control is not linked to how many dudes I can put on the board. It's just linked to how many victory points I'm getting. So you might be behind, but you're never going to be out of the game entirely. I've only played El Grande or like what I like to call it the big uh, (laughs) (laughs) one time. And I remember really enjoying it. It was, Mm -hmm. it was a while ago, but it, it did feel clean like it, it felt pure it felt like a pure area control which i yeah. mean it's one of the first ones so like you yep. know you know as you iterate on the mechanic people have to get more complex to make it unique whereas this one just like it just felt right right yeah it just felt good it felt like everything kind of made sense like you said low rules overhead for really sure. good what's your mech rating sure. yeah mech rating for this game so mechanics comes out at an eight for me i think like you said it, it's it's pure it's just an area control game it executes it extremely well the action cards are interesting and involved uh, and probably honestly if i was rating this like when the game came out it would probably be a higher score for like the novelty <laughs> yeah, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. game right now i have like a lot of respect for it but it also is like there are other area control games that exist um so it doesn't just like max out a 10 for having some completely awesome concept i've never heard before um, so an eight for uh, mechanics for experience. Um, in terms of the this genre of game that we've been discussing tonight, um, it doesn't have like the maximum amount of player interaction. You're still like, because um, there's not like politics. I would say politics is kind of like removed from yeah. the game, just for a lack of like complexity and a lack of like uh, because you can occupy the same territory, right? And so it's more like you're trying a little bit more of like you're trying to outsmart people, not like outmaneuver them, if that makes sense. And so experience for me comes in at like a six and a half because I I did really enjoy the game. And then uh, components, 
Um, so I played on a very old version of the game. Yeah. <laughs> that was like physically like not on the verge of like converting back to dust, <laughs> but almost. <laughs> yeah. My cousin who brought the game really enjoys the antique games. Yes. So he, you know, he has the, I think the original version of modern art, which feels like it's about to fall apart. Yep. It yep. has, you know, the El Grande. Yeah. It's like. The version we played in was actually in German. <laughs> and so he had printed off a rule book in English, like from on like the internet. Um, and so uh, the component, I would have to give it like a three and a half. It was so bad, <laughs> but like, I'm sure like a, like a, like a nicely produced, like new version of the game would be really nice. Um, actually, you know what? I am actually, I take that back. I'm going to bump that up to a four and a half only because it had this really cool, like tower thing as yeah. like one of the territories you could drop units into. Um, and that had a special game mechanic. And so like just, it, it was really imposing on the board. It looked really cool. So just for that alone, I would bump it to a four and a half. Um, and I'm sure if you got like a, I don't know, I, ne- I never looked up like what the newest kind of reprinting of the game, like what year that would be. I'm sure if you got one of those, it would be a lot nicer than the version I played on. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, El, El, El Grande is great. Mm-hmm. So what is that? Do you have your overall? I do. That brings my overall to a 6.9 nice <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah that's my uh, low complexity game we did snake draft which means it's my turn yep for the medium complexity game i i hope i don't steal yours um, i don't think you will oh really yeah interesting okay so then my medium complexity recommendation would be small world yeah okay cool. i think small world is phenomenal it's yes. my favorite game that i don't get to play enough of like yeah. if i had to pick one game that's like i don't get to... actually i don't know there might be some new contenders that's for a that. bold statement it, it <laughs> has been for a long time yeah i think I think there might be some contenders for it now, but it, for a long time that it's been small world. So small world, I, we've talked about it on the podcast a little bit, but just to kind of review the concept of the game is that there are, you, you have all these like sort of like fantasy races, nations almost that are warring for this territory that is too small quote, right? So it, in a two player game, three, four, five, you play on actually different boards that have a different number of territories. So that the board always feels too small. And then the game pairs you between a race and an ability for that race. So you will have the, um, the the flying dwarves, right? Or you will have. It's such a cool. It's such a cool. It's concept. so funny. It's it's really funny. Like yeah. the 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 theming of it for like for a fantasy game, which is like for fantasy theming, which is like kind of played out, right? It's done so well. It really is, yeah. Where it's like it's goofy and it, and it's it's lighthearted, um, and you come up with these like combinations between because I don't know how many there are, maybe fifteen different like attributes or whatever you want to call them, and maybe twenty different races, and and you're getting one of each. And some of them come across and you're like, wow, that would be like totally broken, but they're actually all played out and they're not broken. There are some combinations that are stronger than others, but the game also, the way it works is that you kind of place those in like a common pool almost and players get to like purchase it. And so if it's like, if it hasn't been purchased yet, if it's been around for a long time, it's cheaper, but other players probably would have had a chance at it. Right. And so sometimes you get lucky and you get like this, you top deck this really strong combination, but it means it's going to be really expensive. It's low down on the track. And so you have to pay a bunch for it. And that kind of balances it out because money is your victory point in the game. Yep. It also has the mechanic that we were talking about earlier, where your, the amount of territory you control is linked to the amount of victory points you score, but not to the amount of armies that you're able to deploy. So the game is very fair. Play, there, there is not a way to eliminate a player. And a player that is behind on territory has an ability to where they can sort of retire their current nation or race or whatever you want to call them. They go into decline. You actually still score victory points for the territory they control, but they give up a lot of the power of controlling that territory. So it's easy for another player to come in and take it. 
um, and then you pick a new race and you come in on the board in a different area and it's everyone's sort of like oh you know he's coming in on this like different angle and oh like, no the flying trolls are here <laughs> the flying trolls are here and you know and you're like wiping out this area that like somebody else thought they were protected so there's a ton of like overturn you end up doing that like two or three times per player over the course of the game so a ton of turnover and ebb and flow in terms of power struggles it is still a very strategic game even with all that randomness i think i i think personally that the best player of small world will like typically win small world yeah absolutely you i know? mean yeah 100 percent. yeah so it, it is like strategic but there's enough randomness to where if you're down on your luck you can kind of like play into that randomness a little bit kind of roll the dice and get back into the game and the stories that come out of it are just fantastic They're so funny yeah. yeah oh man so what, what's your uh what's your mech rating for that one yeah mech rating so mechanics for uh small world i had at a 7.5 i think it, it functions really cleanly there are some like weird interactions between the attributes and the like races that you have to kind of figure out but i think like online and faqs and stuff they really flush that out pretty well um experience as a seven because it's a good game and i really enjoy it um and then components i have it in an 8.5 i think it's just like so well like done i, I also i think like the board is extremely balanced. It's extremely well designed. The components of like all the different races, you get all these different little like tokens that are kind of like your units. And you're like, oh, like there are my elves or there are my dwarves or there are my humans. If you're playing the humans, that's like totally lame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. not fun at all compared to like the skeletons, the wizards, the sorcerers. What, what was that? What was the the race? I think it was like the farming humans. And you're like, I don't want to take. I don't want to take that. Just, <laughs> just on so principle. <laughs> I want to play something fun. Give me the berserking elves. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will kill your farming human. <laughs> <laughs> I will put you in the ground. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Small World is so good. You, you guys should all go out and buy Small World. I love that game. I don't, I, I've never actually really played any of the expansions of it. There's a bunch of expansions out. Yeah. I had all of those. They ended up in the Postal Service, and then I got a new game in return. So Yeah. And I think part of that's just, it, it's sort of like Dominion, how there's like so much replayability kind of built into it that I don't know that like expansions are really worth it unless you play like a bunch, and we're not playing a bunch of it. Yeah. We, we did in college. We played a good bit in college. and I actually, We only had like five board games, and it was one of them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I bought, I think, maybe two or three of the expansions. Mm -hmm. And it, it just adds more races and abilities. Yeah. And so if you're not playing a lot, you don't need it. But we were at the time. And, like, some of the other abilities are just hilarious. Yeah. So I could see that working out. And some of the races, I think there's one race that it's, like, when you go into decline, which, like, typically flip all of your tokens down and, you know, they no longer get the ability. There's one of the races that you, like, take all of your tokens and stack them in one territory. So, like, yeah. super beefs that one territory. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, there's just, like, random rules that, like, you know, they've done a really good job of, like, just building out, like, different mechanics for all the races. I mean, it's just very impressive. Like, That's there really are so cool. many of them and it, it yeah. just gets... You have a big old stack of dudes, and I come in as the Dragon Master, and dragons always win. So yeah, that, that actually like... happened and turned one of my friends off from the game because he's like, "Oh, cool! <laughs> oh, no. I'm gonna get like six points every round, and like I have a dragon." Like, ah, oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, cool. All right, so that's my medium recommendation. What's yours? My medium recommendation is a uh, a game by Eric Lang called Blood Rage. So nice. Yeah. So Blood Rage is a game. It used to actually be in my top five before, like. I actually like listed out my top five for like a podcast or anything. And the <laughs> hypothetically. I mean, hypothetically. Uh <laughs> but yeah, so Blood Rage is a game where you're playing like uh Norse Viking guy or Norse Viking clans. Right. And uh, you know, you're you're trying to win glory and 
become the most most glorious Viking clan. And it's a, it's a really cool. It's almost like it's a it has a card drafting element. So it's played out over three ages. And after each one of the ages, one of the areas on the map is actually destroyed. And so the map starts to get tighter and tighter <laughs> yeah. until Ragnarok happens. And uh, at the end, you know, whoever's the most glorious wins. But it has this card drafting that you draft before each age. And then those are the cards that you get to use in the age. Mm-hmm. and you you have like three tracks that you can start building up and then like the cards that you draft are different heroes or different monsters that you can like recruit to fight for your cause yeah and they i mean it's i remember there's great minis yeah it's it's simon so like the mm-hmm. minis are phenomenal and that's yeah. actually what you know sold me on the game yeah and i like like my wife didn't enjoy the game because she doesn't like this type of game so right. it's it's no longer in my collection because it's sat on the shelf for five years but like if yeah. i could play the game like it's a great game and like so my favorite thing about it is that you don't always have to win battles to win the game which i think is kind of interesting because because you're winning glory right you're winning glory and there's different ways to do that so like if you're the only person in a territory you can pillage the territory Mm -hmm. to gain a benefit or like what i would like to do is yeah i don't remember what god it is yeah i don't remember what god it is but basically my favorite strategy to run is the however many of your units die you get like that much glory like you're sending them to valhalla and right. like you know you're like they celebrate death yeah kind of thing. you yeah. Wa- are like you lost good job <laughs> <laughs> so we're so proud of you yeah so i think that's a really interesting because it throws that whole aspect into the game it's like the object of the game is to get the most glory but you don't always win by winning the battles. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's a little bit more strategy in that sense. And also I just love card drafting. So, yeah. Uh, and the minis are dope. Yeah. Anyways. It so, is really cool that that game combines kind of those two elements, right? Like card drafting meets like a really good area control game. Yeah, absolutely. So the mech rating for Blood Rage, the mechanics I had an eight just because of that card drafting element combined with the area control. For sure. um, I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed that. There. Yeah. And also like they have like all of these like companions like you have your own you have like your army or like your your vikings that mm-hmm. you can use but then like you can recruit a sea demon and like that has its own mechanics and its own cards and you can like build that out to work with your strategy which i think is really cool yeah the uh the experience i have at a, as an eight and i think the experience for me is higher than a lot of the other area control games or dudes on a map game because you don't have to win the battles mm. to win. And yeah. I, I like yeah. that in a game. Like I I I always like paths to victory that aren't obvious paths paths to victory. No, what you like is being able to entirely <laughs> ignore one portion of the game and still win. Yeah, <laughs> see if I can do that. I just wanna if I don't buy resources, can I win this game? Typically it's no. But <laughs> and then and then components at a nine point five. Yeah, it right? earns that for sure. Yeah. And I don't even know why I didn't give it a 10. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, the board looks amazing. The uh, the components. Yep. It's such a cool setting. Like, it, why are people really doing cool. more Viking games? Oh, yeah. We should do a Viking game. Yeah, dude, add it to the list. Man. Yeah, <laughs> add it to the list. And then, so the overall comes out to an 8.2. Yeah, it definitely yeah. earns that. Well worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. I want to try that game again. Because, like, I, I, I traded. It was one of the first things I traded when I got into my trading kick. Yeah. But it's like. That, that might be the game I was saddest that you traded. And it was fair because it was so hard to find. Because Blood Rage also, if I remember right, it was really hard. It had a very specific player count, right? Like, yeah. That you was a downfall. The you want to play like, with like four. Yeah, you, you want to play with four or five, which was a little sad. Like that, I really like when games have multiple player counts, right? And that one didn't. Um, and because you're like, again, because your wife never liked it, and we could never have four for it. It just didn't work out for us. Yeah, it was a very 
specific application or like a very specific time where we would be able to play it. Right. So. Right. But if you are, you know, a couple household and you have another couple. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> who would love yeah. that game and pick up Blood Rage. It's yeah. really good. Oh, yeah. It's great. So Snake Draft. Yep. Time for me to do my high and I'm probably going to steal yours. I'm sorry. Uh, Dune. Yeah. Absolutely. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> it has so, to be. I mean, like we played it this weekend and that, that was one of the games that I came away and I was like, I really like that game. Yeah. And so like we talked about the crazy asymmetrical player powers. Mine was I got to like regenerate my my dead units like for free and then I could enter onto like this random side of the board for free. Right, right. So I was like the annoying like native people as the Fremen if you've ever read the book. And so, you know, I I was like working on that and it was just like the player powers were so cool and just changed the game. But my favorite thing about the game is that you could form alliances with people. And, Such a cool idea. And it really is. And not in the sense of like, you know, you can form an alliance in Game of Thrones and backstab them. No, this is actually like a game mechanic. Right. So like when uh, in Dune, which is also like we keep referencing it. We said if you read it, I think, I don't know if we said it. It's a book. It's a novel. Mm-hmm. And so the game board game is based off the novel. And every round you'll flip up spice, which is like your currency in the game. Mm-hmm. And you'll place it onto a area on the map. And then you actually have to send out your guys to get the spice. But the like the interesting part about that is is that you could flip up the worm which is like you know the predator on the planet and the, the worm always shows up if it's going to show up in the last place spiceless place so if you're there collecting spice it just like kills you mm-hmm. um which which is kind of interesting but also when that worm flips up flips up is when you can form alliances with other players and when you do that like you can form an alliance with one other player and then you start to share some of your crazy game-breaking powers with that player. Mm-hmm. So I th- we formed an alliance, and then I kind of stabbed you in the back. Sorry. Yeah, uh, that's, <laughs> that's fine. I left you on like a dying ship in Nemesis earlier in the weekend. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, this is payback. Yeah, I had like the option to like sit and wait, and we're like, "Hey, come get in the pod with me." And I was like, "No, I'm just nah, gonna leave." Nah, that's not me. <laughs> and save myself. I was that douchebag in the sci-fi film. So yeah. <laughs> like honestly, like when you like left my alliance, I was like, "Hey," and I was like, "Actually, you know what? That's fair." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. But like with with the with the Fremen, I was able to bring people back for free. Mm-hmm. And when I formed an alliance with Dalton, he also got that specific ability. Right. So he didn't have to pay to bring his people back. And like when and then you had uh, a like you get trader cards at the beginning of the game where like if you bring in this leader to battle, you can play the trader card against the other person and then you automatically win the battle. That's right. And that's the ability that I got from Dalton. Right. If that sounds unfair, I was playing the Harkonnen, which are the bad guys of yeah. the book. So <laughs> that's yeah. why you feel like such an evil power. You can make or break alliances only when that card is flipped up. Right. And so the game is over. There are five fortresses on the board and the game is over when a single player owns three of them or... If you're an alliance, if your alliance owns a collective of four of those five fortresses. Yeah. And so kind of what happened in our game is that Dalton and I were in an alliance. I actually had two of the fortresses of our three, and we were going for a fourth. And then another player had two of the other fortresses. So there were actually only three players holding fortresses at the time. Mm-hmm. We flipped up an alliance, and then I broke the alliance with Dalton and allied or allied with the other player, which at that point we had four fortresses and we just had to hold steady until the end of the end of the the round round where there was like the victory check. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was really interesting because like all of a sudden it was all hands on deck. Like, Oh shoot, they're winning this round. We have to stop them. And then it's like, then it's almost an alliance of three people on two. And it was just like, 
it was crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I that that's one of those games where I like, I've just been thinking about. I'm like, oh, this would be a really cool alliance if you know, yeah. If these, if the Bene Gesserit and the Fremen tie are like allied, like right. that, that would be cool. Like you could you could work that. And like I just think that it's really interesting. The the thing that we were saying earlier is you kind of do need six because kind of what happened in our game is that there are five players. And two alliances formed, and then there's one player that wasn't in an alliance, and I think that that kind of felt discouraging. Yeah, at, yeah, it at felt least it would for to me. The rest of us, yeah, everyone had a friend except for this one player. Yeah, right. After sitting back and looking at the game, I think that that may go away a little bit because I think what we talked about the strategy on that—if you're not in the alliance—is you build up and make yourself a very valuable ally for mm-hmm. someone to come in and take. It's like, hey. I got a lot of dudes on the map right now. Right. And I can take that fortress. I'm just not. But if you ally with me, I think we can do this. And right. so like right. so there's a little bit of that, but oh yeah, I just, I, I want to play all of those races. Like yeah. I just You want to just... try all of them, yeah. We we talked about like it it really does feel like cosmic encounter in terms of just like how far how asymmetrical they are. But the fact that they still manage to be balanced and they still manage to be like not broken, but like also extremely interesting. I also like when we were playing, I thought like three or four times that different players were eliminated from the game and they weren't. I was entirely yeah. wrong. It yeah. was it was so cool how like the game allowed you to basically like it's like you are out of the game right now. But if you bide your time and you build your power correctly over the next like turn or two, you'll be back in the game. You know, you'll be a totally viable ally. And I thought that that was such a fun way to play a game like that. It was never I don't think that there is a way to eliminate a player. Actually, I know for a fact there's not a way to eliminate a player uh, because there's like the charity phase, right? The 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 phase that sort of gives you free money. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, like money is like placed on the board as like an as a uh, as a resource that you have to go like claim. And so like owning enough power to go claim it d- is important in terms of like getting more money. But also sometimes money's placed in like way in the middle of nowhere, and there's all the powerful dudes are fighting over all the fortresses trying to control them to win the game. And you as the lower player can just go collect money off in the corner of the board. And then like get back into the game that way. So I thought that it did a really good job of kind of never because there was not a victory point track. It was literally just control four of these five fortresses out of like thirty territories that are on the map. And and so it never felt like oh I'm like I'm too far behind to win this game. It was like okay I'm out of the count like this turn. But how do I get back into the fight next turn? And then I'm going to be a valuable player again and I'm right back in the mix. So the mech rating that I had I had mechanics at an eight. Just because I, I, I really liked how well everything kind of worked together with those crazy player powers. Uh, experience, I also had an 8. And then components, I had an 8.5. And it's not one of the games, like, it doesn't have fantastic components. But it, one, I love the story. I love the story of Dune, right? Like, that that's just a novel that we really enjoy. Mm-hmm. But also, like, whatever it was, it was, like, muted colors and then, like, bright like you just had like these little tokens that were your bright units and like whatever it was i just loved the way it looked i yeah i can't explain it's not something that i would normally like be like ooh, that's cool but like looking at it i was like i like that i like that a lot for sure that brings the overall to an 8.1 awesome and i think that that experience will go up the more i play it yeah definitely that's that's the game that i'm that that game is the reason that I hesitated when I said for Small World that it's the game that I like like the most that I don't get to play enough of, right? Because I like I've like you, you said just played it, yeah. I just played it for the first time and I've owned it for a year and I was like we've been missing out. I really enjoyed Dune. So my turn then. Final recommendation, and, and this probably like won't come as a surprise because because it's in my top five. Um, so Game of Thrones, uh, the board game, which we've we've talked about already on on the night. 
Um, but Game of Thrones really, I think just as we talk through this conversation, I just really enjoy these like dudes on a map war style games that force politics, right? And Game of Thrones does that so well. And it's so thematic for the book. And, and, I, and we talked about Game of Thrones in like the very first board game episode. So I don't want to harp on it like too much if you've listened to that, but it's on my mind fresh because we just got to play it, right? Yeah, and it's yeah, a hard yeah. game to like put together a group for because like you said, it takes like... You need a good, you need a hefty group. You need a hefty group. It's definitely minimum four and it's probably really realistically like minimum five to have yeah. like a really good game. Game of Thrones does have like problems. I, I would be like, you know, the first to admit that. It does have problems where like you do feel like you get kind of too far behind um, to where you can't really like come back into the game until unless like all the top players kind of like cancel each other out and you have like some really clever like politicking going on. And it doesn't have like perfect mechanics in terms of like there are sometimes game phases that you are relying on coming up. Um, but they're actually, you know, like the game phases of like what's going to happen in this like specific round is randomized in a, st in a stack of cards. And so sometimes you're looking for a game phase to happen and it's like doesn't happen for like four rounds. And that's like really unfortunate for you. But what it what it does do extremely well is that it has this extreme asymmetry in how the game is set up because the houses yeah. start in different locations on the board um, that have different number of fortresses, which is like your victory condition, right? Is control seven fortresses. Um, so that you control the seven kingdoms and the, and, and there's, there's fortresses are have different densities across different parts of the maps, right? Some there's like a bunch really concentrated in an area. Some they're like, there's barren areas that only have like one or two fortresses. The houses themselves have different player powers in terms of like, like you said, the combat kind of leaders and the cards that they can play. And so it's not like wildly, it's not like Dune level of asymmetric, but it, but it's enough to make the game like significantly interesting, like to the point where you like want to try the different houses. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then also like if if like we are a board game plus books podcast right and so this just <laughs> so like, it just works it just slams home on the theming <laughs> right and it and it, I think I, I think I said it in the first episode but it's so cool how it's not just a game where they took the Game of Thrones theme and slapped together a board game to sell it right it's actually a board game that could stand on its own could have any theming but it has like a Song of Ice and Fire as a theming and it's awesome right it's so cool and so thematic and it's like it just it plays so and it's so satisfying like it plays so well but you don't have to have read the book series or like watch the tv show to play it but yeah. if you have it just heightens that experience so much i really thought you were going to say twilight imperium so <laughs> i really thought about twilight imperium the only reason i held on twilight imperium is the hope that we eventually do a 4x Oh, okay. Uh, podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. episode, and that That's will right. let me use Twilight <laughs> Imperium. Okay, a, okay, okay, okay. But it, but I did seriously think about it. It's just hard because like there's so much wrapped into Twilight Imperium that it's not just a war game. Yeah, you know that it was hard to hard to recommend. But Game of Thrones does have like a lot to wrap your head around. It is like a pretty heavy rule book. It takes a good minute to explain how the combat system works, how the victory condition works, how supply works, how army building works, how the different phases. You know, the, there's just a lot going on. It also has it also has programming of your actions, which is a mechanic that I just absolutely love i think that really embodies like what a battlefield would actually look like right? yeah especially it, in that area it, it's a great game absolutely. the uh i i do like how our, our both of our high complexity games are based off of books I thought, oh good <laughs> yeah point. so yeah. dune and song of ice and fire which is uh just makes me a little happy inside absolutely especially since that's not that's not common most most of the time if a book <laughs> yeah. if a board game is based on a book most yeah. of the time it's bad <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah so uh what about your mech rating for Game of Thrones, the a board Game, game of Thrones, second edition, the board game, second edition. It's <laughs> a hell of a title. Okay, so um, mechanics, I have it at an eight point five. I think it's extremely smooth. I think it works extremely well. The only times that I, I think there are like the only times that it can improve are 
Um, like the wildlings, I think are kind of like a, like a side component. They're slapped on. Yeah. They're slapped on. It doesn't like, it's just room for improvement more than anything. And then again, I think sometimes you, in a specific game from a competitive sense, you rely on certain phases to happen. And the fact that that's random is extremely limiting, but everything else that, uh, happens in the game, I think it happens extremely well. And I really enjoy it. Um, experience I have at a 9.5. It's one of my highest experience ratings. Um, and that's because I just really enjoy the politics of it. I enjoy that, like, in order to win, you have to not only be the best strategy player, but the best, like, politician. You have to, like, play the game. You have to pay people off. You have to force fights between people who actually don't want to fight, right? Like, this last game that we played, I won. <laughs> yeah. And it's because I played um, House Tyrell, which is in the southernmost part of the continent. There's two nations down there. Every time I've ever played Game of Thrones, neither one of those players wins because they fight each other, right? There's two, like, nations down there. And so at the start of the game, I turned to the Martell player, who's the other like nation in that corner, and I said, if we attack each other over the course of this game, neither one of us will win, right? So I'm going north, and you're going north. That's what we're going to do, right? And we're never going to fight each other over the course of the game. And like I ended up winning, um, and he ended up like second or third out of our game, right? He was, he was very much there. And so it created this situation where like it was an extremely like strategic game but one of the main things that like helped me win was the fact that at the very start of the game i made an extremely savvy like political move you know and then we supported each other and we like continued that alliance over the course of the game right until like the very like last turn where he realized i was like close to winning and he turned against me <laughs> totally fair <laughs> yeah uh, back i didn't seven. blame him at all but it was it, it was too late so and then uh, components I have at a seven, um, in some ways that deserves to be a little bit higher um, be- just because of like, it's an awesome theming, but in some ways it's also fair because, because like the, uh, like the, the player, uh, what are they called? Like the player shields and some of that stuff is like, not like super high production quality. So it's like, it has like this excellent theming, but like maybe not a super high production quality in some ways. So anyway, that's why it ended up at a seven of being like very good, but not like absolutely excellent. What's that overall? I always forget to tell you what the overall <laughs> is. <laughs> the overall is an 8.7, which is overall like one of my highest. There's only a couple that actually yeah. break past into nine. Yeah. Over 8.5 on either of our scores, you've got a winner. Right? Yeah, like, absolutely. It's like you should play it if not buy it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. So you uh, have anything else? Or are you ready to end this thing? Nope. I think, I think I'm good. I've gotten all of my opinions out. I feel really satisfied for having gotten to talk <laughs> about like my favorite genre of games, which yeah. is beating up on other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm typically on the receiving end. It's nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we talked about earlier. Uh, I just want to reiterate that we do have a discord now. So go join our discord. We'll put a link in I think we'll be able to do it in the description of the podcast, but if not, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, We'll drop it in for this episode, just kind of like at the bottom, but then also it'll be in all of our handy links. And so come join us, talk about board games, books, beer, bourbon, uh, random stuff, do some trading. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm really excited for that. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, other social medias probably, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but we're fantasy in some flights. Uh, You can find us. We're having a blast. We love talking with you all. So if uh, if you don't have anything else, I think uh, we're going to call this a wrap. So That's cheers, buddy. Me, buddy. Cheers. Cheers.